Those guys get to be stupid. Why can't I be stupid? Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 51, March 22nd, 2017. With your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Today's show, on-site consumption. Third, fourth show maybe on that. It is current topic today. Keeps getting bounced back and forth. The state delays. They say things weren't done right with the paperwork. What are we going to do? I know what we're going to do. We're going to wait some more. Higher calling club. Wow, do we miss you. Go back and listen to episode 10. Higher calling club. Remastered. Here are my thoughts on higher calling club. Love that place. What a place that was. People would get together and get together and smoke pot. Not in your own house. Uh, There's no way my house could accommodate the sessions that happened at higher calling club. The people I met, I just wouldn't have even met people. How would I even know to invite them? What a social gathering. It's denying our right to gather. (laughs) A legal thing to own, use, but you're not allowed to go get together and smoke with people. One of the biggest things that I've noticed um, as far as being bud tender, tourists coming in immediately. So now where can we go to smoke? Can we smoke right out here? No, you can't smoke out there. Well, where do we go? How do we answer that question? Well, just use your brain for one and just go do what we always did. Hide behind cars, rental cars, go take a walk in the woods, which is a very good idea. Kramer's Field. Go take a walk through Kramer's Field. <laughs> I don't know. Hotel rooms. What are we going to do? We need the clubs. Tour season is right around the corner and the state. Blah, 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 blah. Cannabis Control Board. Doing nothing. Local. Doing nothing. What you're going to have is a lot of tourists walking around with bags of weed, smoking pot out in public. And maybe that's just what local authorities want to send out fines. And is that what we want to be known as the Golden Heart? People are coming to town and uh, they're enjoying different buds from different locations, different different cannabis retail stores, and then they're getting um, fined. People are going to be coming here to consume cannabis. That's one reason people are going to be coming here. And the setting of Alaska. Why not help them enjoy it even more? Why not? Well, we're going to do a recap. Locally, there hasn't been much going on with on-site consumption. The big things going on locally have been zoning, changing zoning rules, trying to change buffer distances between licenses. Uh, As we'll see, we'll go back and listen to just a few... sound bites from last July meeting when things were just getting going on on-site consumption. And particularly listen to how the borough talks about it. They talk about things last summer that are happening right now. Rezoning, also density. Right now there's currently no limit on the amount of shops that can be open. Minus delays at the state, you can have as many as you want. That's going to change. 
IC within the borough. They're going to be putting restrictions on how many you can have. And good old Lance Roberts continually says, and I am so shocked at this, he's so for liberty. Only his liberty, though. So hard to want liberty, so hard to give it to others. Okay. You don't like the things I'm doing. That's okay. I'm looking at how much is going to come and when is enough enough. Are we going to have 15 cultivators in the neighborhood and they're all going to have retail license and they're all going to uh, fall into the smoke room category? I see it your way on the risk of knowing that our love may soon be gone. We can work it out. We can work it out. It's just going to be a big party atmosphere. It, it, it's an industrial area. Marijuana is not industrial. I know we shove it in there because it's out of sight, out of mind, but none of you would want it in your neighborhood. You wouldn't want it popping up to the left and right of you, uh, behind you and in front of you in your little homes, you know, and we don't want it in our neighborhood. We don't want the quantity of it. If there's just one there, maybe that's doable. But if there's 15 of them, you know, how am I going to retire? What, who am I going to sell to? Am I going to sell to a cultivator? What you say, get it wrong. So we've heard density issues. Too many. You don't want it in your backyard. So what that's going to lead to is conditional use permits. This is what's going on in Colorado. They're allowing uh, on-site consumption if the neighborhood agrees to it. So where are we going to see these on-site consumptions break out? Now we have Jim Oslin coming up. He is the one that gets um, what drug-free Fairbanks going. He's the one responsible, him and Vivian Stiver. I'm here to talk about cannabis, since that's the new word. We don't want to say marijuana. We'll call it cannabis today. Uh, there was an editorial cannabis. in the she Colorado Springs um, This is like first appearance of Spider-Man. It's a large city in, in Denver. Cannabis, she says it. So we have Jim Oslin in his beginnings right before he gets all the signatures he needs to get it put on, get prohibition put on the ballot. Here we go, Jim. We got these impaired people out on the road endangering us, and now you guys want to have on-site consumption where you're going to put more impaired people on the road. This is nuts. Those guys get to be stupid. Why can't I be stupid? You guys regulate the bars and the liquor stores. You need to regulate the marijuana 
people the same way. They want to be treated like alcohol. Okay, those guys get to be stupid. Why can't I be stupid? So you got density okay. regulations. You got public hearings. You got Cafes. all kinds of things that go on with bars and liquor stores. You got to do that with marijuana too. You can't just give them a free pass. Those guys get to be stupid. Why can't I be stupid? The whole idea of using marijuana is to get high, get stoned. That's the real use for it. Not the medical stuff, which they play up big time. Yeah, it has some medical uses, and we should do that. But people use it to get stoned, and now you're going to let them out on the roads to drive. They drive there. They use it. Now what are they going to do? They're going to drive home. You shouldn't be doing that. Let's work together to diminish the number of impaired people on the highways, not add to it. go harry anslinger will be proud of jim oslin fear-mongering what are we going to do for the kids oh man jim it wellness have you ever heard of wellness complete physical mental and social well-being thank you steve d'angelo for reminding us of this let's go back and hear him again there's still a huge amount of confusion about cannabis Uh, even among those of us who consume it regularly and embrace it enthusiastically. You know, part of that uh, is because of all of the decades that we've been exposed to, decades of propaganda, of lies, of stigma, of fear. And it's inevitable that some of that misinformation, some of that shame, uh, has seeped into our own hearts and our own minds. Another reason for the confusion is cannabis reform laws that are either medical or quote-unquote recreational. But many people, maybe most people who use cannabis, use it for a variety of uses, and they may consider some of them medical and some of them uh, recreational. Cannabis also has this amazing range of wonderful effects uh, that a lot of people still relate to as just getting high, just getting high. Uh, But I say they're overlooked wellness benefits of cannabis, right? The power of cannabis to spark creativity or to extend your patience or to wake up your sense of play or wonder or openness to spirit, right? To enhance the flavor of a meal or the sound of a concert or the touch of a lover's skin, to open the mind to bring spontaneity to performers and, 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 and catalyze laughter and bridge human differences. Right? Maybe one of the most amazing overlooked wellness benefits of cannabis is something people call the stoner epiphany, right? This amazing ability of cannabis to encourage you to look within yourself, to find your better self, and, and to self-correct if you've made a mistake. Right? This is a gift that's incredibly profound. Uh, For people like me, it has the force of religion or law. Uh, It is where I go for my wisdom. These aren't the attributes of an intoxicant, right? Miriam's uh, dictionary says that an intoxicant is a substance that makes you so excited or confused that you lose control over what you say or do, right? It's not a good fit with anything we know about cannabis. Cannabis is a much better fit for the definition of wellness, complete 
physical, mental, and social well-being. This next part is particularly interesting to me. Diane Hutchinson takes the moral high ground saying that she cannot vote for something that is federally illegal. Now, Constitution has lots of things talking about supremacy clause and um, one thing, Tenth Amendment, if it doesn't say it in the in the Constitution, then those things are left up to the states. It doesn't talk about cannabis in the Constitution. Alright. So what I love listening to this next part, debating the Constitution about cannabis. Ah, <laughs> doesn't get better for me. Ah, love it, love it, love it, love it. You know, basically, I still think that it's violating my oath morally, the oath that I took, and I feel like I should stand for uh, to vote for this because it is still against the law federally. Thank you. How unjust does a law have to be coming down from the federal level for you to before you decide that you want to violate your oath of office. So I'm sure that there's something that could come down from the hypothetically from the federal government that would be you would be willing to break your oath of office here. I, I guess where is that line? Um, for me, um, the prohibition of marijuana um, very crosses that line. Yeah, I'll just say one thing and to answer the rhetorical question somewhat. Uh, on line 22 in the whereas, um, I was very careful when I uh, had this whereas made that to state um, the supremacy clause, what I'm talking about is lawfully adopted federal laws. And so um, as far as I'm concerned, if the law is um, constitutional and so therefore what I would be considered lawful and not um, contradictory to that constitution, then um, that those are the laws that I would support and the ones that aren't done through that process are the ones I don't support. And so um, that is why I agree with this argument that um, because these uh, facilities are in operation of federal law and I think that law um, based on public health and safety um, and other um, – and, and really it's a justice issue uh, about life that it's certainly something that's constitutional and that's – why I would support it and where my line is for laws in general because I certainly um, uh, wouldn't support any law that was made that I thought was unconstitutional. Thank you. The Cole memo, which was mentioned earlier, maybe not by name, I don't recall, it, you know, is, is the position from the federal government that states that have legal marijuana, re recreational or medical, as long as they meet eight requirements Mid-tokers, eight points of call memo. Prevent distribution to minors. Prevent cannabis revenue from funding organized crime. Prevent cannabis from leaving state borders. Prevent use of legal market to cover the illegal market. Prevent violence and firearms within the cannabis industry. Prevent cannabis-impaired driving. Prevent growing on public lands. Prevent cannabis possession on federal property.
to me, this was the most incredible thing when the state decided, even though the initiative didn't allow it, they decided that they were going to go beyond that and authorize <coughs> an experiment that um, no other states tried, the on-site consumption of recreational marijuana. It's pretty hard to think of something associated with this whole thing that's any more dangerous than that. So the first thing I want to talk about is the uh, inaccurate um, parallel made with alcohol in this circumstance. There's a few um, important differences. You know, with alcohol, you have um, a range of moderation that, you know, as many people can go after work and they can go drink a beer and they can drive home, depending on body weight, type of beer, whatever. But there's some range of moderation. But uh, with marijuana, it being a drug, you know, you notice they don't talk about body weight like they do with alcohol when you're talking about drugs because it, it, while it certainly affects the body, it's also going more directly to the mind. It's a drug. And uh, as the whereas says, um, you can provide immediate intoxication with peak levels occurring within 30 minutes. And so this is something that um, the smallest non-dominimous use is going to put you in that state of intoxication, the state of impairment. Now, we had people testify saying, well, it's only going to be samples. Well, we also had other people testify they're going to have clubs. They're going to have lounges. You know, people are going to hang out there, and they go there to get high. And so now somehow they've got to get home safely, and I'm sure some will do it right. But we had other people testify that they've been driving for 20-plus years stoned, and they had no problem, and they just think they're fine. And I cannot tell you how many people have told me they think they drive fine or they drive better because they're stoned. You know, it's a complete um, refutation of reality. Uh, that was Frank Turney saying that. He says a lot of things. Now you're using Frank Turney as a primary source. Very convenient, Roberts. One thing about Frank, though. A lot comes with what he's saying. Listen carefully behind that humor. And then who could forget? Go smoke a bowl. There are a lot of studies out there. Myself, personally, I drove for 20 years. I don't drive anymore. I smoked a lot. I was very conscious about what I was doing. And and I rode and drove with a lot of people driving on cannabis. And I'd be much safer with those people than I would sitting behind the wheel of someone boozed up on alcohol, that's for sure. Anyway, I think, I think maybe you guys ought to sit down and smoke a bowl. we had some very good testimony i thought from karen purdue and nancy tarnay american lung association american cancer society and feeling that no ventilation system in a smoking club would be adequate to protect the people that are in there. And they also brought out, as we all know too, that there are no other places in the United States that currently allow on-site consumption. Awesome. Let's do it. So I guess we could all cite a study. The gentleman that came and testified, you know, they, they, uh, Mr. Emmerts, he analyzed the study and said, well, it was obvious that this didn't mean marijuana did this or did that. I cited some studies. Uh, Mr. Roberts just cited some studies. 
I have a ton of studies here about highway safety, traffic, and accidents and things that have occurred in Colorado and Washington. And it won't mean anything to anybody. It, those statistics won't mean anything to anybody. Because and how people view this is an attitude. don't mean anything to you? It's an attitude of you either believe it's dangerous for the public or you don't believe it's dangerous for the public. And no study or statistic is going to change anybody's mind up here. Good point. So I, I say this in that... Um, I make my decisions based on asking myself a question. Will this help, hurt, or have no effect on things like we all talk about schools, like graduation rates, keeping kids in school? And you say, well, this is for 21-year-olds. Where do you think the underage people get it? Do you really think the black market will die and that the kids in school won't have more access to this because the 21-year-old brother won't go buy it for the 19-year-old brother or sister? Does anybody up here really think that this is going to help our kids in school? We all want education. Everybody up here, give more money to the schools. And yet we don't seem to consider what may happen to our young people. And so, you know, there's a lot going on. And I think our next generation is going to grow up thinking that pot product consumption is perfectly fine. It's normal. Uh, some people don't think this is bad, but I would disagree. I had a, a, a pediatrician stop me the other day, and he said, people don't realize the psychosis in the young people that they're starting to see in Washington and Colorado. And he says, we're starting to see it here at, at Fairbanks Memorial. He said the psychosis because people are more openly using because they know people aren't going to stop them. So I would just ask everybody to consider that. When you're thinking about on-site consumption, you may use it safely. You may be able to take a little thing. You may be able to teach that person how to use it safely. They will come back. They will buy from you. But we're selling this. It's not supposed to go out of the state. Money circulates about five times. So how are those businesses going to grow? They're going to grow because your kids, your grandkids are going to be 21-year-olds, or they're going to be the teenagers who get it from the 21-year-olds. So I, I, I would just ask people to think, is this going to help? Is it going to hurt? Or is it really not going to have any effect on our kids? Let's wrap up this beginning section with listening to final thoughts from Quist, Satley, and Roberts. This is what's shaping current policy right now. Then we'll go on to the news. I just want to say a couple things, a couple different points. I hope you all read, um, perhaps uh, last week, uh, this uh, letter from the mayor of Anchorage, uh, uh, to the Marijuana <coughs> Control Board, um, which Karen Perdue fur furnished us, um, pointing out yet again that we would be the first state, state in the nation to uh, to do this. And Are I, you afraid of that? You know, I'm at the head of the parade of people saying we don't give a damn how they do it outside. But we certainly don't give a damn about how they do it in Anchorage. But, um, you know, there's probably a reason <laughs> somewhere that... that uh, Oregon and Washington and Colorado don't allow this on-site consumption. Um, I've spent time in Portland, and there's 
tens of thousands of pedestrians walking around, and uh, it looks like a much more ready market for uh, on-site consumption than the uh, than our good old railway industrial area, where I don't think there's been a pedestrian for a, for a long time. There are serious mental health concerns. I think there are also potentially serious mental health benefits. Mm, okay. Nice. Um, Continue. Did a great job. Great question. And the idea of of adults in the future that are children now that we need to protect them from themselves and tell them that they can't go to a store um, and and get a product that's been tested that you know I mean just you know and get the education that they need and have a, a safe place to use it we're protecting these future adults from themselves because they're like your, your grandchildren now I mean this is then I just want to mention to the public who may be listening that this borough doesn't really have the authority to regulate smoking or alcohol. The initiative gave us the authority to regulate the types of marijuana businesses and location, time, and a few parameters. And so we're just working within the bounds of the authority. Those issues would have to be taken care of at the state level. And in fact, there was a smoking bill in front of the legislature this last session that didn't make it all the way through. Start off local, then go national. Alaska Public Media. This goes back to the February CCB meeting. Alaska Marijuana Control Board. <laughs> Alaska Cannabis Control Board. Nix's on-site consumption. The state CCB was set to regulate the consumption of marijuana at licensed retailers. If it had been approved, Alaska would have been the first state in the nation to allow on-site consumption. But now that's moot. Everyone's so afraid to be first. A 3-2 majority voted Thursday, February 2nd, to shelve the regulations after control board staff said public notices contained errors and a decision would have to be postponed at least another 30 days. Their fault. Sabotage? Not sure. Control board member Mark Springer of Bethel said he worried how the feds would react to marijuana consumption in public. Pot remains illegal under federal law. Cole Memo says nothing about consumption in public. We don't want to draw a lot of attention to what's going on in this state with marijuana, Springer told fellow board members. We don't want a million people getting off a cruise ship in Juneau saying, oh yeah, it's great. We're going to go over a half dozen stores and smoke marijuana because it will draw a big spotlight on us. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Bring more tourists. The control board has received dozens of public comments, many of them negative ahead of its third meeting where it considered the rules, and many of them positive. Both Nicholas Miller of Anchorage and Brandon Emmett of Fairbanks, who are on the board as representatives of industry, voted to keep the initiative alive. After the vote, business owners from Alaska's fledgling legal marijuana industry said they were dismayed by the decision. Tara Bass is the owner of the Remedy Shop in Skagway, the state's first licensed retail marijuana store. She said renovations had already been made in anticipation of the new rules. They're putting everybody in violation that's going to be here consuming, and it's sad, Bass said. We're prepared we prepared it to be an outdoor consumption area so it would be plenty ventilated, and it's just interesting that they're not giving people a place to go. The Alaska Marijuana Industry Association had lobbied for a legal way for customers to consume on the premises. 
Executive Director Kerry Kerrigan said retail outlets will need to regroup and rethink their strategy before bringing the issue back to the board. What I'm going to do is push the membership to put forward solutions, Kerrigan said in an interview, to not just say, I want on-site consumption. How do you want it and how are you going to accomplish that? And how do you make it so it's not a health concern, so it's not a public issue, so it's not something that's blowing smoke in everybody's face, so to speak? Voters in Alaska approved legalizing marijuana for recreational use for those 21 and over in 2014, but it's fallen to the five-member Cannabis Control Board to write the regulations of how to manage lawful consumption in the state. Okay, let's switch over to the Marijuana Policy Project out of Alaska. This is right before the meeting set to happen on March 7th. Regulators again consider cannabis cafe rules. Alaska's regulatory authority, the Cannabis Control Board, disappointed many last month when members narrowly voted to back away from proposed regulations over a year in the making. Despite their efforts, Sarah Chambers, acting director for the department, reminded board members the next day that they had already approved on-site consumption and that their action in February simply avoided adopting any rules. The issue is scheduled to come up again at the next board meeting on March 7, 2017. Adults who consume cannabis must have a lawful place to go. A law that allows adults to purchase, possess, and consume cannabis has little meaning for those with no place to lawfully consume it. That is currently the situation in Alaska, where thousands of tourists later this year will be able to purchase cannabis, but not consume it at any location. It is essential that Alaska adopt rules to allow these individuals to consume in a regulated location, not in places like sidewalks, parks, and alleys. It's likely that failure of the board to take action will result in greater harm than if they simply adopt sensible policies. Okay, and if you've not done so already, please contact members of the board today and make sure they hear from you in support of on-site consumption rules. Following the meeting on March 7th from the Alaska Daily News, on-site marijuana consumption in Alaska is back on the table. By Laurel Andrews. The Cannabis Control Board met Tuesday afternoon in Anchorage discussing everything from its on-again, off-again relationship with cannabis cafes to whether or not cultivators can keep rolling joints before delivering them to shops. Here are the most important takeaways. The board will try again to write rules for cannabis cafes. The Control Board will try again to write rules for on-site consumption areas at marijuana retailers, a project that it shot down in its last meeting. The board voted 4-1 to Tuesday to revive the project. It is hoping to define parameters for on-site consumption areas, which are designated spaces within a marijuana shop for people to consume cannabis, akin to a cafe or bar. Tuesday's discussion picked up from the board's May 2nd meeting, when it killed a regulation drafting project that had been in the works since May of 2016. But confusion mounted in Alaska's cannabis industry with an email the next day from Acting Cannabis and Control Officer Director Sarah Chambers. Chambers clarified the board could still technically approve on-site consumption areas stemming from language the board approved in November 2015 that was intended to be a placeholder until specifics could be hashed out. So on Tuesday, the board opted to take another shot at writing rules around on-site consumption areas after board member Brandon Emmett brought a new motion to start up a new project. Why? After the meeting, Chair Peter Milarnik and board member Mark Springer, who both had voted to strike the old project, talked about their reasons for taking another stab at the rules. Springer said since Emmett had introduced a motion to take up the project again, 
he voted in favor. I never vote to not go into public comment, Springer said. Malarnik said the existing regulations necessitated it. There's still a regulation that made the place for on-site consumption, so that it has to be addressed in some way, Malarnik said. We're not ignoring it. That's the reason why we would be bringing up the regulation project. Malarnik called it a new project with the same theme as the old one. We really don't know what this new regulation project is going to look like. Cannabis attorney Jana Weltson offered another theory. If they didn't take the project up and they just summarily rejected all on-site operating plan requests, that would be incredibly arbitrary since the regulations already allow for it, Weltson said in a text message. Alaska's state agencies are not allowed to act in an arbitrary way. To do so could be grounds for a lawsuit. The board also addressed five cannabis shops that had been included outlines on their on-site consumption areas in their business plans. Those plans had already been approved, but the question was whether the on-site consumption was included in that approval. In a 4-1 to vote, the board said it never intended to approve on-site consumption areas without having rules around them, so those businesses still need to wait until specifics are written. Chambers asked board members to send in comments on what they'd like to see in the new draft project for staff to use as guidelines. A new version of on-site consumption rules will be back up for discussion this summer. Any proposals will go back out for public comment. It's going to be too late for tourism. Let's go national a bit. Let's take one look at what cannabis cafes could do for the positive. Let's just talk about money, huh? From Marijuana Business Daily, March 16th, 2017. Cannabis public use measures could spur MJ sales, businesses. By Bart Shaman. From Alaska to Massachusetts, a number of states are weighing measures to allow people to consume cannabis in public places, such as clubs and other venues. Legalizing cannabis clubs and other venues for public consumption could spur MJ sales and create new business opportunities, said industry officials. In particular, the move could lead to increased sales of marijuana flour, and it could give marijuana retailers an opportunity to add ancillary businesses, such as a coffee shop that permits MJ use, to their existing operations. Legal public consumption also could spur greater use among cannabis tourists, and it could go a long way to alleviate problems with out-of-state tourists who want to smoke cannabis but have no legal place to go. If anything, social clubs will create a more clear path for the out-of-state tourists to be able to come to Colorado and enjoy and be more responsible, said Justin Jones, founding partner of Denver Consulting Group and Dank, a medical and recreational retail shop in Denver. Current Crop of Bills Initiatives Legislation before the Nevada and Colorado state legislatures would allow bring-your-own-marijuana clubs. The Republican-controlled Colorado Senate approved the legislation last week. Although Governor John Hickenlooper threatened to veto the measure if it doesn't ban indoor smoking of marijuana. <laughs> oh man, the indoor banning of smoking. In addition, voter-approved recreational marijuana initiatives in Maine and Massachusetts allow the licensing of cannabis clubs or consumption at retail stores once recreational cannabis legalization goes into effect in 2018 in those two states. In Alaska, state regulators recently moved to revive a stalled proposal that would allow marijuana consumption at marijuana retail stores. On a more local level, 53% of Denver voters last November approved an initiative to create a four-year pilot program to allow businesses to apply for a city permit to create cannabis consumption areas. 
The law initially allowed such areas in bars and restaurants, but was later changed to prevent any establishment with a liquor license from attaining a permit. The legislation before Colorado lawmakers is seen as an effort to provide guidance to localities, much like the state currently allows cities and counties to determine zoning rules for cannabis businesses. Farther west, industry experts are closely watching Nevada's public use legislation. Las Vegas, a tourist mecca, could become a major player on the international marijuana scene if local if social clubs are allowed after the state's new recreational marijuana program goes into effect. That could happen as soon as July. Las Vegas receives some 42 million visitors a year. Without a public venue to consume cannabis, tourists who want to smoke recreational marijuana would be at a loss for where to go. Federal gaming rules won't allow Nevada casinos to house marijuana businesses, including social clubs, on their properties, so people would need a legal place to consume. What are their options? Asked Derek Connor, a canna-centric business attorney in Henderson, Nevada. Go hide in a dark alley in Las Vegas, which isn't exactly a safest option, or go smoke in your room or somewhere else and break the law. Hmm, lots of stories about Vegas. Huh? Lived in Vegas for a little while. Whew, dangerous going back those alleys. A boon to flower sales. Colorado has been dealing with this problem since it legalized recreational cannabis in 2012. Hotels warned guests that smoking anything, whether tobacco or cannabis, in the room could lead to a cleaning charge of $200 or more, so tourists often choose edibles or vaporizer pens. Jones, the Denver consultant and a retail owner, said his shop's workers often field questions from out-of-state consumers about where they can consume. He said if these consumers can go to an outdoor patio to smoke, maybe they'll buy more flour versus their current practice of buying more edibles and vaporizer pens. Connor, the Nevada attorney, agreed. I think this will open up the market to flower more. If they do have a safe place to go smoke, whether it's a club or limos or whatever, that's going to change their buying habits. It's going to open up a lot more flower sales to customers. A viable business model? Connor predicted many medical marijuana businesses in Nevada would buy for social use permits since they're already in the industry and know how to deal with the regulations. Plus, several of the business owners have good working relationships with the state. They'd be excellent choices for licenses for public consumption venues. Jones doesn't think a standalone social club marijuana business would be very profitable, but having a shop that sells coffee and allows cannabis consumption could succeed, for example, or a movie theater. He considered opening something like a marijuana museum in Denver, complete with a tour where people could smoke at the end. Another idea would be something similar to tours to visit a, beer, a brewery and quaff the brewer's beer on site at the tour's end. A move in the right direction. Jones sees public use as a good first step, but as a next step, he would like rec shops to be allowed to open a club with a window where consumers could buy a joint or another product and consume it on site. That's where it would work viably for a business, where you could sell $5 joints or $10 edible at the establishment, and they could be consumed there. Just like going to a bar where they pour you a beer and you sit and drink it. Connor hopes the details for public consumption will be sorted out sooner rather than later. Something has to get done soon, otherwise you're going to force our tourists to break the law or get kicked out of their hotels. And that doesn't work for Vegas as a tourist economy. Cannabis and the Strip are just going to have to work together. Hmm. Same thing apply for Alaska? Alaska and cannabis? Let's work together. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? You can work it out. You can work it out. We can work it out. We can work it out. Washington Post.
March 9th. Marijuana clubs approved in Colorado Senate. <laughs> Kristen Wyatt, AP, Denver. The Colorado Senate on Thursday passed a first-in-the-nation bill expressly permitting marijuana clubs, but Governor John Hickenlooper is hinting that he'll veto the measure unless it bans indoor smoking. The bill allows local jurisdictions to permit bring-your-own-pot clubs as long as those establishments don't serve alcohol or any food beyond light snacks. The bill doesn't say whether those clubs could allow people to smoke pot indoors. That means it would be possible for a membership club that is closed to the public and has no more than three employees to permit indoor pot smoking. Sponsors say the bill is necessary because Colorado already has a network of underground, unregulated pot clubs, and towns aren't sure how to treat them. Pot clubs could help alleviate complaints that Colorado's sidewalks and public parks have been inundated with pot smokers since the state legalized recreational weed in 2012. We have a lot of problems throughout the state of people publicly using marijuana, said Senator Bob Gardner, a Colorado Springs Republican that sponsored the club bill. The measure sets up a showdown with the Democratic governor, who has told reporters that clubs could invite federal intervention in Colorado's pot market. Remember, it's the coal memo. It's nothing about on-site consumption. Colorado is in violation of federal drug law for not making it a crime to smoke pot. And U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions and other members of the Trump administration have said states should not be able to legalize pot. I do think, given the uncertainty in Washington, this is not the year to be out there carving off a new turf and expand markets and make dramatic statements about marijuana, Hickenlooper told reporters Wednesday. Hmm, sounds a lot like our uh, local assembly. Further, the governor seemed to chaff at the fact that the club bill doesn't expressly ban indoor smoking. A separate pot club measure going into effect in Denver limits smoking marijuana to special patios, meaning people could eat or vaporize pot indoors but not burn it. Smoking is bad for you, Hickenlooper said. I'm not sure that's a great thing to be encouraging. Lawmakers who support clubs disagree that the bill encourages indoor smoking. These marijuana membership clubs are so private that there's more akin to being in your living room than to being in a restaurant, Gardner said. Ten Republicans voted against the pot club bill. Some of them said they feared it would be impossible to stop people from sharing or selling weed inside the clubs, even though marijuana sales in clubs are banned under the bill. How are we supposed to stop that? asked Senator John Cook. The bill passed on a 25-10 vote and now heads to the House, where its prospects are strong. One possible sticking point is the bill bars food service in the clubs, but allows them to sell light snacks that aren't defined. State liquor regulations already bar the sale of alcohol and marijuana at the same place, so the clubs would look more like Amsterdam coffee shops than pot bars. I'm sure you can drink coffee and smoke marijuana. You just can't drink whiskey and smoke marijuana.
work it out. We can work it out. We can work it out. Hey, hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes on SoundCloud, search MidToker, and Facebook, farnorthdokers.com as well. Lots going on. See ya!